Hey, welcome to another episode of This Feral Life. Uh, today's episode is going to be hydroponics, right? Yep, hydroponics. Yeah, yeah. that's some fun stuff. Uh, beginning this little thing off, we have some crazy news, guys. Guess what? We finally closed! Yes! It's, it's been a long journey, but we made it. Six, we did it. Six months. Six months. in the making. Six months. Totally of, worth it. Totally uh, worth it. Yeah, that wasn't, that's not including like the last two years of actually looking at properties. Uh, yeah, maybe I would, uh, three? Maybe three. Years. Okay, yeah, so we've always had time. this plan and this vision of what we wanted to do and, and how important a farm was for us uh, to teach our daughter, you know, how to self-sustain. And so that has been the the forefront of like us pushing really hard to getting our farm started amongst other things. Right. You know, but um, this is how we apocalypse. That was, <laughs> definitely the main component was our daughter. Um, so we're super excited. So today's a very special day. Yeah. So yeah, we, we, uh, I came from a farming background and like a self-reliance uh, background. Um, she found me wild in the wild. Yeah. She found me. In I the domesticated wilderness. him uh, partially. partially, partially didn't work out. Cause now we're headed back to the farm. Yeah. <laughs> My nature wins out. So, uh, yeah, we've been looking for about, like, pretty seriously for about two years. And just, I mean, we'd find a place, and then things just wouldn't line up. Or, uh, man, what was that one? Uh, we found a place, and we liked it, and it turned out not to have a septic system. Yeah. They just oh, made, or an illegal septic system. Well, no, it just didn't have, that one didn't have one. The the one Orange Grove? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it just didn't have one. They uh, There was no evidence ever of a septic being on that property ever. It was a very nice house. They remodeled the house. But uh, we had like, it was kind of fishy. And we were like, eh, let's just go ahead and have it, have it, have it inspected. And uh, they were like, why would you want an inspection? Inspections are silly. It's just going to slow down the buying process. Had it inspected and uh, the inspector was like, yeah, uh, we can't even find records that there ever was a septic system. The county has no record that there is a septic system assigned to this property and no one knows if there is a septic system. <laughs> so and basically they told us if we were going to purchase the, if we would move forward with purchasing the property, um, they were not going to turn on the utilities. For no, us, they, which yeah. was a big deal breaker for Great. us. They let us close. <laughs> they let us buy the property, but then we would have to do the soil reclamation for what was basically a cesspit, uh, haul off that soil, bring new soil in, that have the, like a county approved septic system installed. Not happening. And we like did the math and we're like, wow, that was like an extra $30,000, $40,000 on top of the loan. Uh, so it was a stupid, stupid ideal. And then uh, crushed my hopes and dreams. So yeah, we went back to the drawing board. It hurt. And for now a while. we have purchased land and it will be a new home build. So with warranties and all that good stuff, um, but our own land uh, to do is what we please and then start our hobby farm. Yeah. Super excited, super, super pumped. Um, it's like I said, man, it's just, I, I don't know if it's how the, the rules and regulations are today, uh, but it's becoming hard to buy a house. I, I was under the impression it should be about as easy as buying a car. Nope. You know, like, hey, if your credit score is good and you have a down payment and you have, like, you know, many years of being a responsible adult, and paying your bills on time, and you have your, your financial, your debt-to-income ratio is good. It should be like buying a car. Am I wrong? Like, it should be pretty easy, right? You should be able to go like, okay, well, that's the one I want, and uh, get inspected. You should be able to go look at a house on a freaking Monday, 
close on it on a Wednesday and move in on a Saturday. That's just how I feel. It should be much more difficult than buying uh, buying a car because like somebody could buy a car and take it like somewhere and chop it up and then use a fake name, right? How is this not going to move? It's going to stay there. Granted, it was a lot, um, you know, it was a lot lengthier purchasing land and then purchasing a home because you have to go through two different yeah, um, there was a lenders and it was just kind of, it was just like double the pain. So we yeah. really felt it, uh, but we're excited. So yay us. Yay. That was my rant anyway. When I become emperor, I'm changing the rules. Thanos will snap. Yeah. Like that will snap. Buy a house as easy as, as it yeah. is to get a car. <laughs> yeah. Like um, that will snap won't be taken out anybody. They'll be just changing stupid rules. Yeah. Maybe. And don't be discouraged, guys. Like, you can still purchase a house in the city. You know, it, it's relatively easy if you're going through a new builder. Um, so, you know, my family I think members most have of purchased our houses pretty are probably quickly. Interested in but, no, yeah. But look, you have our listeners that have that live in the suburbs and still yeah. want to do their urban farming, which is completely fine. You'll still have the ability to self-sustain. You don't need that big of a garden um, to provide, America. you know, uh, vegetation for we your do. own. For your own home. <laughs> my husband here is like, go big or go home always. He's just exaggerated. Always. He's so extra. He is so extra. So, um, yeah, a city house or city backyard would not have worked for Or you him, could so. do, like, what we eventually put on doing is we're going to use this this house and this land as our, like, like home base, right? But we do want more. So we're going to buy some, like, totally feral land that has, like, nothing on it. And, um, that, that you know is going to be doesn't have any like amenities. It's just raw land, and then we'll put like our pigs and cattle out there. Uh, mm-hmm. So we'll have, but we'll buy it within like you know a twenty thirty minute drive of the house, right? Uh, in a cheaper area. So we'll have like a split farm type thing where we're doing most, or we're doing all of our vegetables, our orchard, everything like that, and then like our regular like home critters, or you know the, everything we've talked about: our fish, our quail, um, bunnies, chickens. Random 4-H animals for the beast, uh, our daughter, the tiniest, and then definitely bees for me. I want to start for her. Uh, beekeeping. But then we'll we'll move all of the big smelly critters, and we'll put them out there on some good pasture land somewhere, uh, with the ability to to rotate crops and rotate them through fields. So what we'll, we're going to do kind of like a hybrid system there, um, and once we get to that point, we're definitely going to talk about it. And like rotational grazing and everything else. That'll probably be our next episode. Rotational grazing? Yeah. Yeah, rotational grazing is really, really awesome. It works really, really well. So let's talk about uh, hydroponics, what everybody's came here for. Hydroponics is not as difficult as everybody makes that to seem. If you, first, if you start Googling hydroponics, a whole bunch of weed growers are going to pop up. That's just what, that those guys pioneered basically hydroponics, right? Uh, the modern hydroponics was invented uh, pretty much and perfected by the guys growing illegal substances. And if you try to go to a store, I'm going to forewarn you, if you go to a store and you uh, try to ask somebody about hydroponic setups, they're going to give you a cross look and just look at you up and down and be like, oh, I know what you're growing. Yeah, especially Um, if you've got like a beard and long hair like me. (laughs) That wasn't the case for us, though. We were like, no, really, we want to grow tomatoes and peppers. Tomatoes, wink, 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 wink. wink. Here's what you need. Yeah. They were like, no, literally. No, really. Just tomatoes and peppers. So they were completely unhelpful. 
Like, uh, what was nice to get there was the Hydratron, which is like an expanded clay pellet because it, it's expensive to ship. It's not heavy. Um, they have little clay pellets about the size of a marble. Uh, and the picture of those will be in uh, or show like Avatar. But uh, those are really expensive to ship because they're just bulky, right? So if you can get those locally, that'd work great. Another another like uh, substrate, like gravel, pea gravel, like washed pea gravel works. Okay. It's just heavy. Or lava rock. I've seen people use lava rock. I've seen people use perlite. But my worry with that is it blow away in the wind. Yeah. It's so light. So talk to them, talk to our listeners about the whole entire setup and okay. why they would need uh, perlite or... So this uh, is like the this feral life, feral setup, right? Uh, it doesn't really exist anywhere outside of here. Uh, I've never seen anybody else do a system like this. I took... There's a couple of guys I'd like to give a shout out to. There's a um, MHP Gardener. He's on uh, YouTube. Uh, it stands for Mobile Home Park Gardener. And the guy had a huge mobile home park, and he would grow vegetables for everybody that lived in the mobile home park. Right? And he had a, he had a huge Dutch bucket system. And how a Dutch bucket system works is so you have these buckets up off of the ground on a stand that he built like a shelf, right, made out of cinder blocks. And there would be a flood and a drain kind of system. You would flood it with a whole bunch of water, and then it would hit a siphon, and the siphon drains everything back out. It's called a bell siphon. And a bell siphon is super easy to make, guys. Imagine a smaller diameter pipe inside of a larger diameter pipe, and the cap is on the large diameter pipe, right? So once the water level raises to where it's going to start going through the small diameter pipe, it causes suction, and it will suck down to wherever the bottom of the large diameter pipe is resting. So if you've rested that just off of the ground somewhere, like inside the bucket, just like a quarter of an inch, it's going to suck all the water out to a quarter of an inch. So what he would do is he'd have, he'd have everything on a timer, and it, his water would come on with all the nutrients, and he was growing in buckets of perlite. So he wasn't using a, a net basket or anything. And it would just flood and drain and flood and drain. He'd do that, you know, six or seven times a day. I was like, that seems cool, but I will mess that up somehow. Right? Or and I wanted to do it outside. He had a really neat setup with a, um, a greenhouse. And I was just thinking that, man, I would, I'd, if I had that outside, uh, you know, the squirrels would dig in it or the wind would blow and I'd end up with white popcorn looking stuff all over the, all over the yard. So I was like, but I really like the buckets. I didn't want to have to buy anything weird. And then so I looked at deep water culture. And what deep water culture is, is where they just have, it's literally exactly the south. They just get these big bins, they fill them full of water, and they put a bubbler in there and then add nutrients to the water and then drop in their, uh, their, their floating like a piece of styrofoam is usually a piece of wood can sometimes be used. Um, and then they just drop in the little basket. It's called a net cup uh, inside of the floating doodad. And the roots just grow down in the deep water and they're good to go. They get plenty of oxygen from the dissolved oxygen from the bubbler. So that's deep water culture. I really like the idea of deep water culture because you weren't really worried about um, like – 
it's really hot in Texas. And we were worried about like, you know, well, what would happen if we get like one of those 105 degree days? We don't want those roots exposed all the time. They're going to dry out in a heartbeat. And it'd be really, really bad. But then at the same time, I was like, man, if that bubbler ever goes out because there was like a power outage or something like that, they're going to uh, they're going to drown like real quick and turn slimy real fast. So I was like, well, deep water culture is not for me. And then there was the Kratky system, which a Kratky system is a still water system. There's no bubbler or anything involved in it. They take basically trash cans, rubber-made trash cans, uh, big, big containers. Because you're not, you don't add anything to a Kratky system. At a Kratky system, what you do is you measure out your nutrients and everything beforehand, bring it to a certain like percentage of nutrients based on the volume of water that it holds. So, like if you have like say, and this is the, I'm not doing math, I'm just giving you an example. Let's say you have a 25 gallon container, then you're going to put like three pepper plants in. You would do the math and go, okay, I need to add 2.5 pounds of this fertilizer to that container. You'd add it to the container, stir it up a little, then leave it alone. You don't even need to worry about it getting 100% dissolved because it's okay to have a gradient where there's more fertilizer down at the bottom than there is at the top. You put your plants in there and then just completely forget about them. As they drink the water... Uh, they're going to create their own air gap. And you don't add any water to this system at all. It's a set it and forget it. And it works really well in like temperate climates. I don't think it works so well in ours because evaporation happens, right? Uh, But people do have a lot of success with it. I have some of the largest, most insane pepper, I'm going to call them trees, because they don't look like a pepper plant. I've seen have been grown in a cracky system. There's one guy who grew this habanero, and we're talking, it was just sitting in like a 25-gallon trash can, just like a, one of those gray Rubbermaid trash cans, just by like his back porch. And it was up to the second-story window. He was leaning out a second-story window just picking habaneros. It was huge. He was so big, he had to use ratchet straps and tie it to the ground because the wind would blow it over. Uh, it was. It looked like a shrub. I was like, man, that's amazing. Uh, I didn't like the cracky system only because I think I, I thought that, man, the evaporation would be really crazy. You can't add water to it. If you add water to it, you drown the roots because roots grow in basically three different ways. They grow, uh, hey, we're used to having a lot of air and we can air gap and they grow like super fine root hairs and they breathe that way or they grow underground where they're not exposed to a whole bunch of oxygen, kind of in a semi-anoxic environment, and uh, they grow a little bit different that way. And then they grow in the water, where they're just drinking up a bunch of water, and they don't have a lot of little, like, super fine hairs. Uh, They'll have kind of a thicker hair on them, and that's what they do. You can't take roots from one place and put them somewhere else, or they die. That's why, as it grows, the root structure changes and is replaced in a crappy system. So, uh, yeah, so I didn't like that cracky system because, like, what if it rained? We had a big rainstorm and it flooded. So we kind of came up with, well, I drink, like, six beer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he measures everything in beers. Yeah. So I took about six beer to come up with what I did. So I took, I went, I got a, a bunch of Home Depot buckets and set them down. And then, like, the O in the Home Depot. I took a one-inch uh, saw, like a hole saw, 
popped a hole in there and put a half-inch grommet in, into it. Now, these grommets are just uh, rubber, like, donuts that, that have a little slit in them that fits in the inside of the bucket, and then you can put a half-inch piece of PVC through that hole, and it creates a, a watertight seal, right? They're, if you're looking for them to go through, uh, bring a piece of PVC through something, what you're looking for are grommets, or rubber grommets. And I tried to describe to the Granger guys and the Home Depot guys and everybody in the world what I was looking to. I want to pass a piece of pipe through a bucket. I want it to be watertight. And they're like, well, I mean, you can use a bulkhead connector and da 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 And it was all really, really expensive. Or one guy was like, oh, just uh, get some plastic welding stuff. Here's how to do it. And some plastic and caulking. I was like, no, there's got to be a way. And so finally, it was actually the the, the local uh, hydroponic store who wink, wink, nod, nod, nudged me and was like, yeah, special tomatoes, right? No, but they were the guys who knew, who told me that it was called a rubber grommet. Um, now they wanted like $4 a piece for them. I went to Granger. I left directly from there, went directly to Granger and was like, I need rubber grommets. I want them to be fit in a one inch hole and have a half inch hole in the middle. And they went, but up, typed on it. They're like, Oh yeah, sure. They're 72 cents a piece. I was like, I'll take 20. And, uh, to know, I walked out with them for under 20 bucks. Love them. They resist. Like uh, your air rot, your critters, erosions, uh, the sun rot, everything, man. They're great. They're fantastic. They are a pain in the freaking butt to get into the bucket. They're going to, they have to fit super, super, super tight. So uh, use a lot of Vaseline. Like really lube them up. Like go at it. Like you're like, you know, like you really have to use a lot. Um and then I'm going to give you another tip there is that before you try to force that piece of that's flattened into the PC PVC through that grommet is take a file or a sander or belt sander, whatever you have, and just put a little bevel on it, right? The chamfer it. If you if anybody here is like into reloading, uh chamfer it, you know, like give it a little bit of a, a little bit of a Square off, like, like, yeah. Just go around the front of it, and knock down that flat edge to where it's more of a little slope, and it'll slide right in there, slick as heck, and uh, you're good to go. So, uh, and then I wanted to be—I was—I had initially uh, done it at the O on the Home Depot, so that I had about a gallon and a half of water that would always stay in the bottom of the bucket, right? Then I had my pipe straight through the bucket, and I was like, man, I'm, as it's draining, it's going to pick up a bunch of roots. And they're going to grow down the line and make a mess. So I took a uh, 90 and popped it on the end and faced it straight down. So in order for roots to grow into, the, into your water line, they would have to go um, straight up. They'd have to grow straight up and get into that 90 and then grow down your thing. So not much of a problem with those at all. Now I take and I it was about about a uh, well, about a foot section that fit through the bucket, ninety on one side, ninety on the other, about a ten inch section underneath that that would go down into a four inch diameter PVC pipe. And I took that same one inch hole, uh, like uh, hole saw, and just went down the line and punched a bunch of holes. 
And so I took, let's, I took the, the, all the buckets. We did uh, 12 of them, 12 of them. Yeah. This is an experiment. I put them up on top of two by, uh, on top of a two by 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two by 10 and uh, up on top of some uh, cinder blocks. So it was three cinder blocks high, just laying on the sides, a two by 10 across the top of it. Um, and then those buckets, 12 of them fit perfectly on a 10 foot section of, uh, you know, the two by 10. Uh, and then the, the end would just stick out, fit inside of that four inch uh, return. And I had it plugged off on one end and then just used a piece of strap, like metal strap, and just gave it a little bit of an elevation at the far end so it would drain all the way back into our tote. And we just used a one of those yellow top black Rubbermaid totes you can buy it. I think we got it at what, like Home Depot? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was like, I guess it was like a 50 gallon type one. Uh, when we do this again in the future, we will use a much larger tote. Uh, because on hot days, like 104, 105 degree temperature, you're going to go through that tote of water about every three days. Uh, I'd like to use a much larger tote this time. We're going to do a much, much bigger system. So we have our little system up. We have a return up. It's going to go back into a hole on, that you've cut in the top of your uh, water reservoir. Just pop a 45 or a 90 at the end. I, now, all this is press fit together. I did not glue anything because I wanted to be able to break it down and take it with us when we move. Um, so we've got our buckets. Our buckets are uh, now we have put, uh, we got some of those five-gallon net pots, uh, uh, bucket lids. They're five-gallon bucket lids with a net pot inside of them. When I say net pot, we're, you think it maybe it's made of fabric. It's not. It's made of hard uh, plastic that just looks like a laundry basket, right? But it's like a laundry basket that fits on top of a five-gallon bucket. They're made exclusively for, like, uh, the hydroponic community, the aquaponic community, things like that. They work super, super well. They fit on the round buckets, so you can get some for the square buckets. I like round buckets because you don't ever have that one flat face that's always facing the sun. Now, one thing that we did do with the little uh, feral hydroponics setup here, is that I took aluminum foil and we went around the whole thing, right? And the reason that we did that was... Deflect uh, some of the heat? Deflect some of the heat, but also primarily light. I wanted to keep all the algae out of the bucket, right? Even though those Home Depot buckets are, you know, some of them are red, some of them are orange, you didn't really... They'd still let enough light through especially if you're doing like uh, high nutrition, you know, uh, stuff that you could end up with some algae growing on the inside of your bucket, which is stealing your nutrition from your plants and can eventually release chemicals that uh, will compete directly with your plants and hurt your plants. So I want to make sure that they were just completely blacked out. Uh, so inside those net buckets, what we did was we just bought, we went to Home Depot again, right? Mm-hmm. Or just... We picked up some of the plants from Home Depot. We picked up some of the plants from yeah, a local nursery. Amazon. We just picked up plants, right? Just regular old plant starts. And then we took a, a bucket of water. We used a tote, like a tote of water. Just took the plant out of the pot, dropped it in the water. And then left it in there for, I don't know, a beer. I, I measure time in beers. Maybe it was 30 minutes, an hour, or whatever. Just so that the water 
got a really good time to uh, uh, get into that soil and make it super soft. And then I just took the garden hose while or put my thumb over it while I was under the water and just rinsed off all this as much of the soil as I could off of that plant's roots. Mm-hmm. Then I take the plant and just quickly lift it out of the water and make you know try to make sure that there's very little soil, very little detritus, anything holding on to there. Then we put the soil, the, the plant inside of the empty net pot, and then pile your substrate, which can be once again hydrotron, which is an expanded clay, clay pellet. That's my personal favorite. It's lightweight. It's easy to deal with. Or like lava rock or your perlite or whatever you wish. And then put it in there around your plant to hold it up. Uh, And then if you've gotten really leggy starts or large starts, you probably want to clip them to something, whether it's a post, whether you've already put up a piece of cattle, like panel behind your little hydroponic setup so that your plants can vine on it. That's what I would suggest you do. I would suggest that you put up a couple of T-posts behind this setup, uh, a couple of pieces of cattle panel, and go make it a lot taller than you think it needs to be. You can either go straight vertical, or I would curve them and grow it uh, so that you can walk underneath the tunnel and then pick all your plants. Because these are going to get huge. Mm -hmm. Unbelievably big. They They grew so well. They grew so large that they were literally leaning over um, and it was a problem because there was nothing to like hold them up because we didn't have like a we didn't think it through trellis. We didn't. I mean, we were so new at this at this uh, version of gardening, yeah. so uh, we really didn't know what to expect and whether or not it was going to work, and you know how big our plants would get. Um, but they were really big, so they would they ended up leaning forward and you know leaning oh, on the ground, man. and, like, and that was an ideal. So but big. I mean, they were fruitful. We had so many jalapenos and so many uh, peppers. I was literally making. You know, uh, fresh pico all the time. My family would come and pick, you know, all types of tomatoes and and peppers, and they'd be like, "Hey, can we go?" So over we and... did six tomatoes yeah. and six peppers in this, and one. that was plenty. I, I oh. have a large family, so it was plenty for them to go over and, and pick. Yeah. Well, one thing real quick uh, before we get to the, the the productivity. So the water is supplied. All of the water. It's only supplied by one pump. It's an aquarium pump. I got like a ninety gallon oh, a yeah. minute, like aquarium yeah. pump. I dropped it in the far side. So the water's returning to the close side. The water's being pumped out of the far side. I did that so that it would uh, circulate the water inside mm-hmm. of the reservoir. And I just hooked it to a half-inch piece of uh, polytube. And then I uh, just hooked that half-inch piece of polytube through a fitting into a half-inch piece of PVC, ran it just straight across the top of the buckets, and then just went in there with the drill and popped one-eighth-inch holes. So two one-eighth-inch holes per bucket. So they're just constantly spraying, a constant flow. 24-7, 365, spraying down inside that bucket, aimed it down directly at the roots. Not across the top because it just splashes everywhere and it empties itself slowly, but just straight down into the plant. I found that way it's constantly being aerated by going through your substrate. It's keeping the roots constantly wet. It keeps uh, the water moving inside of your bucket and constantly changing out. So it doesn't get stale. You don't end up with mosquitoes. You don't end up with everything else. Yeah. So it's constantly going in and it's constantly draining out of the bucket uh, through that four-inch pipe and returning back into your system. So the water is constantly fresh, constantly oxygenated, and it just works. And if the power ever goes out, you have a gallon and a half reservoir in the bottom. 
So you've got plenty of, and you've got air because you have the air gap. So you have plenty of water uh, for a day or so until you can arrange something or just start watering my hand. Um, that worked out really well. So let's talk about productivity. These got huge, as, as Vanessa was saying, just massive, huge, um, way bigger, way faster. We've never seen anything grow that fast. And we weren't even. It kind of made me angry. Yeah. <laughs> At all the time we spent with in ground um, planting our we tomatoes. tomatoes because, in the ground yeah, at the same time. We've planted tomatoes in the ground and they just weren't very fruitful. And no matter how many times you watered out, you know, especially in the hot summer days, you know, we'd be out there watering three times. Well, we you know, or, or we had an automated system always, yeah. you know, Eric's always really good about automating everything. Um, so that helped. But our water bill was high. We didn't see the plants as, as big as we'd liked. And, you know, well, there, there was a lot of pests that yeah, would eat. Pests um, and bugs and slugs yeah, and snails. It was, just, it was bad. It was not a good problems. experience. So we've now, ever since we've experienced, um, you know, this our, our own rendition of the Dutch bucket. Um, I'm going to call it the recirculating deep water culture Dutch uh, bucket Oh, yeah. System. See, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> recirculating deep water culture. So our yeah. I don't know. <laughs> There's too many letters. R-D-W. Okay, I don't know. Anyway, but um, we, you know, we're, we'll never go back to oh, yeah. in-ground uh, tomatoes again. Oh, At least I don't think so. No. Uh, this is like my favorite I, uh, form I, of gardening. I, I mean, we like gardening. Well, yeah. it, might, it depends. We might just get a little extra and like do a couple of extra rows of different variations of tomatoes but or whatever really, and just kind of test it out. But it grows too well in the system so to want to do it in ground again. And in ground, it's tough, you know. So um, the growth rate between the in ground, because so, we planted, we we did these, you know, small hydroponic setup, and then we compared, we did a regular garden. So we had our peppers and tomatoes like in the regular garden, and then we had that's the ones right, to the far right. We yeah, we had the yeah, ones yeah. in the far right, and we were like, we had already on like our eighth or ninth harvest of peppers and tomatoes. Before we saw the first One. flowers <laughs> yeah. on the ones of the ground. And the ones of the ground were in super amended soil. I mean, we had compost and rabbit poo and like everything you could imagine in there. And they were doing great. We, we you know, we, we treated them for, for bugs and uh, we were babying them and they were on a, they were an automatic sprinkler system. And, but uh, yeah, there's just no comparing. There's just, there's, there's, there's nothing in the soil to inhibit them because there's no soil with the hydroponic system. There's no pests to bother them. This is a hydroponic system. Everything in the hydroponic system is biologically available. So it's not like the plant had to work at all to like break down anything or mm-hmm. uh, or digest anything. Everything was biologically available right from the start. All the plant had to do was slurp it up and rock and roll. Wasn't there something that you would treat the water with as well just to give the plants like extra nutrients? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, you can't just use regular water and expect everything to happen. So we used uh, that uh, uh, man. It was a. Uh, it's just it's just tomato, grow stuff, grow stuff. But basically, it's it's a fertilizer, Epsom salt, and calcium chloride. Mm. So it's calcium, Epsom salt, and uh, man, it's a tomato. It's a tomato. It's a tomato fertilizer, water soluble tomato fertilizer. Uh, you can grow. You can buy it online. What? This entire system, uh, just like a hydroponic tomato fertilizer, because it though they sell it in bulk. Huh? Okay. Yeah, just look up hydroponic uh, tomato fertilizer, and uh, it'll 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 pop right up, and we'll give you the, the actual 
name of it. And we'll put the link uh, from Amazon. Yeah. And we'll make sure that Eric adds the picture, the image of our system. Um, that way you guys get a visual. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be on our little um, avatar page or whatever. Yeah. Well, it'll be the, it'll be the avatar for the, for the, uh, this guy right here. Oh, no. It was Master, Master Blend. That's what it's called. Master Blend. There it is. Boom, right there. Yeah, we got, I think, what we we only got like a two-pound bag, yeah. right? But we still have plenty. The two-and-a-half-pound kit right there, the $24 two-and-a-half-pound kit, is all we got for an entire grow season. And that's here in Texas where we have a grow season is from, oh, man, like what, February to late February till Christmas? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we only have like maybe 55 or 60 days where we don't grow vegetables that two and a half pounds lasted our our system with 12 buckets the whole year um and then we still had plenty left over that we used to try to water our other plants with to see maybe it's the fertilizer let's put some on them and see what happens well they liked it but they didn't do anything magical to them um but yeah, it was it was so so easy. Um, water just going constantly. All you gotta do is top up that reservoir. Well, once a week, we would uh, go ahead and add the master blend, like uh, to it, and we do it. There's two. The instructions come with it. Like, hey, is this the first time, or just like a maintenance amount? And we'd always use the maintenance amount to fertilize with. But the stuff grew. So fast, guys. Like, you could literally measure it day to day. Like, the jalapenos uh, and, um, well, we had jalapenos, Shinto, or the, sh what is it, the Shinto peppers? Oh, the, the peppers, Japanese yeah. ones. Those were good. Um, good banana, And then banana peppers, mm -hmm. um, which was a mistake because those are already prolific. But you put them in hydroponics and you can't give them away. Uh, and then we had a bunch of different types of tomatoes. Yeah. And we'd, uh, we didn't end up with any blossom end rot because of the calcium. Uh, we didn't end up with any problems at all. Absolutely no problems. We didn't have aphids because they're up off the ground. You know, they're, they're um, you know, the whole system's, you know, three or so feet in the ground, up in the air, up off the ground. We didn't end up with the, we did have some tomato hornworm problems there in the beginning, but because it's not on the ground, it wasn't that big of a problem. <laughs> and your plants are eye level with you. They're so easy to, to find. But uh, when you're looking at uh, our plants grew up over the trellis, which we made like maybe a six-foot-tall trellis, down the other side of the trellis, and then about 20 feet to the house and then halfway up the side of the house. And I forgot you made a makeshift trellis after yeah. you saw how big they got. Well, because we they, they grew the so much faster yeah. than we thought they were going to grow. Because if you let them hang down, they're just going to break off. Yeah, you get a windstorm really and it just snap. They just snap because they get so, so much fruit on them that it's ridiculous. Uh, it's, it's not exaggerating to say off of six pepper plants, we get a five-gallon bucket. Of peppers every week, we got tired of pickling oh, peppers, yeah, giving peppers away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you if you do any pickling, you know like how quickly you could fill your shelves with uh, pickled, uh, you know, veggies. So it got really, it got really. We tough. still but, got, we still we got still... jars full of the powdered uh, oh, yeah. peppers. Yeah, 
We still got jars full of. We dehydrated them. We pickled them. And this is friends and family them. coming over we and froze and them. Us giving them we away. We gave them away. People would try to leave. No, I still got peppers from last time. We're throwing bags in their car. Take them. You, Take the peppers. It's it's part of here. You have to. Yeah. You came and ate food at our house. You have to take peppers. Anybody who's ever come over to our home has never left empty-handed. Yeah. So that's really cool. So so things, um, and then the tomatoes did absolutely fantastic. We'll never have a dearth of tomatoes. All right. We love the tomatoes, but we'll never have so many that we run it. We, we were trying to give them away because we'll turn them into sauces and and freeze dry them and dehydrate them and turn them into powders, which can be reconstituted. Sun dried tomatoes, sun dry and can them. And well, I mean, everything we, you know, my wife's Hispanic, she uses a lot of tomatoes. I use a lot of tomatoes, so, uh, Fideo and sopitas, and yeah, you know, just my rice, everything. I use tomatoes, pico de gallo, so um, it just worked out really well. So, uh, if you had an overhead space where you could put some posts in the ground and have them be maybe like you know six or eight feet tall or probably 12 feet tall and then you can put a pulley up at the top and a rope and you can just clip your plant to it and slowly just raise it up until it can grow all the way to the top and then let it double over and start growing back down uh it would uh work out really well i've seen a lot of hydroponic like uh farms do it that way it works great uh I would, you know, this next time when we do it, I'm going to just put double rows of the hydroponic system down, cattle panels, bend them in a U shape, but put them about, you know, I'm tall. So maybe four feet, five feet up off the ground so that I can walk without bending over underneath them and then just pick all the fruit that grows. One thing I would advise against, guys, is I would, we messed up when we did our first two tomatoes. And the system, tomatoes one and bucket one and two, were an indeterminate uh, variety, which means they just keep growing. And with all the nutrition that they got, they just kept growing. Like, I think our vines ended up 60 feet or some stupid thing like that. They just kept growing all the way down. And then I'd just turn them around in the grass and have them start growing all the way back. And then just pick them up and pull all the tomatoes off and then put them back in the grass. Um, I would not do an indeterminate variety. I would do a determinate variety. That way they get real big. They all flower at the same time. They uh, put out a huge flush of tomatoes, and then you can just yank them out and throw them away and throw another one in there. Um, just because I know people are going to be like, but you could get a second flush. Why? It happens so quickly. If you feel bad for them, yank them out and throw them in the ground. They'll adapt just fine and maybe give you a few more tomatoes later on in the season. But if you're going for, like, maximum tomatoes, uh, I would let them get that first massive, massive flush. And then yank them out and throw new ones in there. Because the, the, the rate that they grow is not exaggerating at least a foot a week, foot and a half, two feet a week. Uh, it's really, really good. It's really, really great. Uh, I'd say that um, things that don't work, we tried a bunch of things. I tried to do a hydroponic, uh, uh, t- uh, was it, pumpkin? I wanted to make, like, the world's biggest pumpkin. Didn't work. Didn't work. Uh, now, why it didn't work, let's talk about that, is I didn't take a pumpkin start. 
I tried to use some rock wool and put some pumpkin seeds in it and sprout them and then put that inside of the system. And I think the, the little baby seedlings drowned. Yeah, so the, the, sprays of water on them and they didn't do it. Our pumping experiment will be TBD because we're definitely going to try it again. I um, see so many people do so yeah, well. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to try it again, but this time we're going to use a start. Yeah, I see so many people do so well with them. And what they do is they do, like we were talking earlier, you take your start, you throw it in a bucket of water. You don't want to try to break the, the dirt off of the roots uh, out in the open because you're going to end up breaking a lot of the roots. So they just dunk it, you know. Is like witch trials in <laughs> the water until all of the, the soil comes off the roots. Take the roots, pop them in the bucket, and then uh, raise it up. Like I, I would hold the plant in place, like up to where it was even with the top of the bucket, and the roots were just spread out through the through the uh, the mesh. And then uh, Vanessa would just pile in all of the, the hydrotron, and then we'd make sure she's nice and stable, and then you know rock and roll. But this system worked really, really startlingly well. And I don't know if it was just beginner's luck or uh, beer that, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, that helped me come up with this, this laziest possible uh, aquaponic or hydroponic system. Now, I would love to see one of our listeners go out there and use this system as a aquaponic system. Here you had IBC tote, like a 275-gallon IBC tote. And just uh, grow it exactly the same way, you know, run it the same way, but have all your fish in the tote and just pump the water out into your plants. I think that would work out really well, too. The only thing you might have to add is a little bit of calcium, which you could probably get away with doing by adding some, like, crushed coral to the bottom of your fish tank, like your, your tote for your fish, just so the water is always picking up a little bit of that crushed coral. Um, I do want to try a couple of different things this time. I want to try cucumbers. Oh, yeah. No, uh, that's just because be... they're just oh. a lot of water. I mean, there's a lot of water. Yeah, they're like 99 they really, water. Yeah. yeah, they would do really well. Uh, so definitely want to try cucumbers because I love pickling cucumbers and making pickles, turning them into pickles. Our pickles and, are famous. Yeah, they really are famous. <laughs> We're known as the pickle people. Um, but, yeah, we I want to get back into making, uh, you know, some, some pickles. And then there's I an want joke. to. It's an old joke. What's so, like, you save a wee baby from a burning building. They don't call you the saving man. Yeah. You go up there and you pull the cow out of the ditch and they don't call you the cow puller. But you're one goat. But, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, it's, it's about, like, you know, the pickle people thing. It's like, they don't call us for anything else. It's just the one thing that everybody can remember. That's where you get the pickles. Yeah, it was like celebrity status pickle people, so it was pretty funny. Um, and I also want to try strawberries. You know, I want to. You know, I'm convincing Eric here. I want one of those. Uh, I want some towers, some aeroponic towers, which we'll talk about later. I haven't got any experience with those, but I, I look at them and I go, "They should work." Yeah, I mean, I don't know how I they would work. Being very successful with their grows using those towers, so that's definitely a conversation for another day. But. Um, Definitely looking forward to trying some strawberries in our hydroponic setup. I'm going to get rid of the F-bomb. <laughs> yes, please. What was that, like 4312? Yeah. Okay. I, I, Eric behaves most of the time, guys, but I cannot. I'm feral. Cannot. That's where the feral part came from yeah. in this podcast. Is it, uh, There's times where he slips up yeah. and I cannot control it. <laughs> 
You're the one who found me as a stray and drugged me into this world. What was I thinking? Just kidding. But, oh, exactly what I was doing your hydroponics uh, uh, strawberries. Hey, guys, have you seen how they do those in uh, uh, gutters? So they take your gutters, they put them on sawhorses, right? And what they do is they take one gutter that's unmolested, and they put it on across the top of a sawhorse so it's perfectly even with all the other gutters, right? And then they take a hole saw, usually like a three-inch hole saw, and pop holes bop, 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 down about every six inches. Oh, I think most, excuse me, most of them are eight inches. Down some gutters that are like, you know, 12, 20 feet long. Have those on sawhorses. So that you you pump your water up into the top one, and it goes across all of them. And then the water goes down those gutters. And those little holes, you buy your three-inch net pots and drop them in there with a handful of hydrotron and your strawberry start. And so it's called, this system is going to be called like a nutrient film technique, uh, NFT. Not to be confused with the cryptocurrency, <laughs> NFT, NFTs, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, it's uh, it's called nutrient film technique. It's just it's just a little trickle of water that goes down there all the time. It's constantly going, um, and the plants just you know get what they want from it. Very very similar to how the feral hydroponic bucket system of doom works. <laughs> uh, is that what it is now? Uh, system yeah. of doom. Yeah. It's gonna be something different every I time. Don't know. I swear it's to gotta, it. I don't know. We haven't <laughs> named it. I also want to do basil. Ba- uh, okay, yeah. so the okay. thing about Basil's growing fast. Yes, that's what I was just gonna say. So um you don't want to grow basil in a large garden bed because it's gonna take over your garden yeah. bed. So well, you wanna keep it contained and controlled. Unless you love pesto. I mean, uh, that's a different yeah, thing. We like, love pesto you using basil sell for a lot. The living crap yes. out of pesto. We would make uh for, for our farmers market, we would make uh fresh baguettes and we would um sell our pesto and people just love dipping our warm baguettes into the pesto and they said it was the best thing. Um and so we had a lot of clients request that. But um I do want to grow uh basil in the hydroponic setup because it keeps it in more in a more controlled environment because it can get really hairy, really fast. My mistake was, is that I was like, Oh, I want to grow basil. And I got a little too excited and, and carried away. And it we just, ended up having to trim the basil with a, with a hedge trimmer. <laughs> we went literally to go harvest basil because these basil plants just in the ground, they got like, you know, 10 feet tall and you left them alone. And uh, we would just go and spread it like a sheet out. And then the hedge trimmer just, and then harvest as much basil just yeah. rake it literally with like, you know, just rake it off on the top of them on the thing. And then we'd go and sit down and listen to an audio book and strip leaves for the next Love four hours. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I found a trick to that, guys. So if you're listening, you know, you're welcome. Um, a colander. Get a colander and pull the plant through the colander and it strips your leaves for you. Ta-da. You're welcome. It's great. How come you never showed me that I trick? did show you. Well, I'm maybe because I wanted to keep you busy. Less talking, more action. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm sitting over there like. There's definitely a just, method to my just madness. Just like totally zoning out. Pluck, 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 pluck. Got you out of my hair for a little bit. That's all right. <laughs> well, we, I, I like the idea. It works yeah. great. Yeah, it worked really, really so well. So if you're going to do if you're gonna do that, uh, what I would do is I'd get some. I would go to uh what's it called? It's called well pipe. Um yeah. So you can go to the, the, the irrigation your irrigation store and get the the pieces of PVC that already have 
the three inch, like the little two inch holes drilled in them already. So they have two inch holes drilled about every six or eight inches down the entire length of like a four inch piece of PVC. It was PVC. Just so much neater and standard, like standardized doing it that yeah. way versus us making the holes ourselves because that would have been a horrendous mess. That probably would have taken more beers, but yeah. yeah. So what you what you do there then? And now this you don't need like schedule eighty pipe. You need like schedule forty. You don't need you don't need super thick stuff. It's not going to hold any pressure at all. So you're going to take and you're going to elevate your first one about four feet off the ground. And you're going to take that and put it at a very small angle, maybe a, you know, three to five degree angle. You're going to put it down a 90 and a 90. And then you're going to just, you're basically making like a, a stair, like back and forth, like zigzag like the side of a mountain down from the top all the way down to your bottom where it's going to go back into your reservoir. You're going to have one pump. It's going to pump your water up into the top. It's going to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, all the way down to the bottom. And in that way, it's going to go through about, oh, 110, 120 of the net pots of your basil or lettuce or whatever else you want to do this way. Um, and uh, I would plant your basil seeds in rock wool, and I would just have them in the net pots already. I would just put them on a regular tray mist them once a day in the rock wool and then once they get little roots that are poking out of the end of the rock wool and in the little net box net bucket take them out pop them in your system and promptly forget about them until it's time to harvest uh i would not worry about with this system because it's going to be super super fast to harvest i wouldn't worry about trying to keep the plants alive i wouldn't like uh, i see a lot of mistakes people do with hydroponics is that they get really attached to the plant and they want it to live for a long time. And it gets scragglier and scragglier over time. And eventually they've got this uh, critter that's just putting out, like, you know, uh, the, the sharp, small, little mature leaves that aren't the big Genovese basil, you know, wide leaves that you really, really want. Oh, I love Genovese basil. Oh, it's good stuff. It's so amazing. So uh, you're going to want to let those plants get about 10 to 12 inches high, get, like, maybe their 10th to 12th. Uh, set of leaves so they look like a little bush then just yank them out of your system and throw the next ones in yeah uh yeah guys and then and just compost compost pile the rock wool was perfectly fine the rock wool is not actually made of rocks or <laughs> it's just it's made of minerals spun minerals but it breaks down just fine um in your soil it's not going to hurt your compost pile at all it's already inundated with a ton of roots so it's going to do amazing things for your, your, your garden. Um, but I would just yank them and go. And doing it that way, you could probably have another fresh, like, batch of basil every month. Like uh, 200 plants. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, every month uh, running, you know, probably 60 pounds of leaves every month. Easy, easy, easy. I would do my lettuces that way. I would do pretty much everything except for kale that way. Yeah. Uh, or Actually, Swiss chard. I wouldn't do Swiss chard. Uh, kale and spinach too. No, I like I like the kale when it gets big. Like yeah, that's palm true. Tree. That's true. It's really cool. I want to try blueberries though. Strawberries and blueberries for sure. Blueberries still good in hydroponics. Yeah, really I know they do. need an acidic environment. I didn't know they would do. Well, let's do it. Yeah, we'll right. try it and we'll yeah. we'll definitely come back and let you know what the results are. So yeah. we'll definitely do that. But also too, like having to you know clean out your garden beds and all that. Like that's a lot of work and I'm not, you know, of course, you know, farming is work, uh, but we're getting older. So 
the easier the better, right? There's and, you stuff know, you this do in just, the ground. There is stuff you do in the ground. You know, you do your, and corn. we'll get into that. We'll corn, all kinds of stuff. And, yeah. and that's a episode for another day or conversation for another day. But, um, you know, if it's easier, why not? If, it's, easy, if it's easier and it grows so, much better, why not? Guys, it sounds like, oh, well, like we're saying water every 15 minutes, right? Or like every five minutes, I guess. It, it sounds like it's using a lot of water. It's using so much less water than uh, what the ground would use because 100% of the water is going directly to the plants. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it's going back into a reservoir that has a lid on it to mitigate your evaporation. So more retention. When you're watering, most of your water isn't used by your plants. It goes back deep into the ground, which, you know, it rains plenty, dude. You're not going to help the aquifer by having by watering your grass. Uh, it's it's all going it's all going back into the ground. It's going to weeds. It's going sideways this way and that. The rodents are drinking it, multiplying. And your your hydroponics setup. Uh, it's only going to use up your targeted species of plant. So you're using such less water. Like one one thousand, especially in the deserty kind of areas, a thousandth the water you would normally use on a major crop. Okay, so let's talk about, I guess, placement, right? Because you, if, if I wanted to grow, you know, my blueberries and strawberries, would it be wise to put those next to the peppers? You know, things like that. So well, what would you recommend Different there? times. Those are going to be a different time. Uh, and for some people, uh, their growing season, they have actual growing seasons instead of just like throw a, you know, dart at a board and call that the growing season. Right. Uh, you're not going to hurt anything by combining stuff. In Are my strawberries going to be spicy? No. <laughs> I'm just That'd I'm just be asking. cool. Yeah, that would be cool. That'd be kind of neat. I'm sure it's everybody's Texas like, candy. Yeah. Everybody expects <laughs> like, ooh, spicy strawberries. Spicy. Yeah. Spicy That'd be pretty cool. No, yeah, right. I just call it Texas candy. Yeah. Texas candy. Spiciest jalapeno flavored uh, Strawberries, strawberries around. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool, actually. Uh, strawberry jalapeno um, flavored no, ice cream. I always worry about placement. You know, yeah, no, nothing's gonna. You're not gonna really worry about anything. Um, now, tomatoes are super, super, and, and your peppers are gonna be super heavy feeders. So, so you, do they compete or take? Yeah. Okay. I wouldn't. There's there two different systems. I'd run. I'd run your, your your berries and stuff on a different system. They feed differently. They really start feeding a lot once they start actually fruiting. But until then, in their vegetative state, like where they're just growing leaves and stuff, they're not really eating that much. Whereas your tomatoes are like, look at me! And they, they, they're they constantly eating as much as they can get. They're very greedy. Uh, yeah, and you don't need as much space. If you do your uh, your, your strawberries in, in one of the, the killer bucket system type things, uh, you're you're really wasting a lot of space there uh, because they don't really need that much. You could, that's why we were saying do them in gutters or do them in the PVC pipe itself. Cause they're not going to create this massive root system that your tomatoes and your peppers will do. Right. So yeah. Now if you're going to do blueberries, by all means do blueberries in a bucket. Uh, Cause they're a, they're a shrub and they're going to come back every year. Um, but as far as, uh, man, that'd be interesting. Do blueberries and I'm wondering if you could, uh, if they'd overwinter in there. Hmm. That should we'll be- find out. We'll find out and we'll let you know. 
Yeah. That should be pretty interesting. Uh, root vegetables don't do well in hydroponics. I've seen people do it uh, just to say they could in like a flooding drain system in a kiddie pool. But yeah, I probably wouldn't want no, that. Not, not, so, not, not so good. Anything with fruits above ground uh, would be really, really well. Let's see some more interesting things uh, that you could grow. Man, really almost everything. I wouldn't do corn. People have done corn and, and flood and drain systems. And sure, it worked. But why? When corn's perfectly happy to grow in the ground, because it's just a modified grass from Peru. So, you know, what yep. else we got to cover here? Well, I know you need to do your um, yeah, let's your do news of the day. Let's take a break and do news. Yeah. So um, one thing that I want to bring to your all's attention is El Nino is back. And it's set to bring extreme weather and new temperature records. So what does that mean for farmers? So for farmers, you know, uh, you're definitely concerned about, you know, threat, any threat to food production. So it can cause heavy rains, flooding, um, just extreme variations of weather, uh, droughts, you know. So uh, one thing that I did want to give you um, some, t- some tips on as far as uh, droughts or, or heat is concerned is if you are, you know, like us here in Texas where we, ex- we um, experience really extreme heat, um, the lasagna method, you know, for gardening. So if you guys aren't familiar with the lasagna method, it is a form of layer of farming and gardening. So uh, you would start with, so what, what you would do is you mow the area, right? And then you lay out your cardboard or newspaper. You'll pop a hole. You'll you'll put your, your seed in or your starter plant in. You'll wet it down. And then you add the first layer of green, um, which is, you know, your green layers are untreated grass clippings, you know, compost, compostable uh, kitchen scraps, eggshells, coffee grounds, tea leaves or tea bags. Um, so th- those are your green layers. So you'll add a green layer, then you'll pile on a brown layer and a brown layer would consist of straw, um, hay, dead leaves, um, compost, cardboard and newspaper, peat moss, pine needles, sawdust. I mean, it doesn't have to be expensive or anything. It could even be yard waste, right? Um, so, you know, that, that those would be your brown layers. So it's, it's a layer, it's a green layer, brown layer, and then you add one more of each. So then you do another round of green, another round of brown layer. You'll hose it down and then you add your compost or mulch. Um, and this would really retain the water around your plant. Um, you know, and it's just a better method overall when it, you're experiencing extreme heat in your area. So definitely consider the lasagna method um, if you know it's going to be super hot. Yeah. You ever uh, found a piece of cardboard or tin or something out? And lift it up off the ground and everything else around Rolly it's pulleys, dry. Yeah, and and it's moisture just underneath. moist underneath and... it. That's kind of what you're going for. Hey, except that everything that, she, that, that, that uh, Vanessa was talking about putting on top, it's going to break that cardboard down. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, it's going to break off. Like, worms love to eat cardboard. Yeah. I think it's something in the glue. They love yeah. it. But, and it's uh, going to improve, like, all your poor quality soil. Oh, it's yeah. going to require less fertilizer or expensive soil amendments, and it's going to, you know, creates loose, fluffy, fertile soil where plants will thrive. So it gives you a place to put your yard waste if you don't have a compost bin, and it's expensive, you know, so it's definitely a great I always tell everybody, if you can get away with it, don't use a compost bin. The reason everything becomes so much smaller in a compost bin is you're you're losing the nitrogen to atmospheric nitrogen, 
it's literally turning into air and going away. And your carbon is turning into CO2 and going away. It's being breathed out by the bacteria and stuff. It's, it's, it's going away. So what you're left with, sure, is basically the poop of a billion bacteria. But it's super good stuff. But it works a lot better if you can capture 100% of that and all in those nutrients in the garden beds by burying it. I love slit trench like composting where you dig a trench and you fill it full of your compost. And then you just throw a shovel full of dirt on that area. You keep that trench open and then you got tomorrow you have another bucket of compost. You throw it in there and then throw a bucket over it to keep the flies and bugs and stuff away. And you go down there until your entire trench is full uh, and then you just plant on top of it. Yep. It works out great. Uh, you capture 100% of that nutrition there in the soil. What are your uh, recommendations if, if some areas experience a lot of rain for El Nino? Oh. I don't know if there's any, I mean, just think about what's going on in China with the wheat. Like, I don't know if there's any resolve to that. I, I'm i saying, that, uh, now this is going to be slightly... Carol? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this, this is coming from experience. The best way to make fluffy, fast, loose-draining soil and... Uh, and it's going to do probably make some people angry is add some uh, molasses. Your sulfonated molasses, the dried molasses in particular, or any type of sugar you can to your soil. That's going to cause the bacteria to freaking explode. And what happens when they explode is they fluff your soil up like, like downy. Like, you know, they just boom, yeah. fluff the soil up super great. One of the cool things, and I've shown people how to do this, is we go out there to an old, uh, you know, like, well, back where we're at, we'd go to a cotton field. And I'd take a hand, like, you know, a handful of the uh, stuff, put it in the ground, or like a handful of the sulfonated molasses, put it in the ground, and a handful, like, you know, just leave the soil next to it alone, and then come back in a couple of days, and you'd be able to take your hand and push it all the way up to, like, you know, like, like your mid-wrist, into the area that you added the sugar, and the other area is still compacted soil. Um, if you can, if you don't have the time to create any sort of drainage, you can kind of fake it by adding some sugar to your soil, fluffing it up real good so that it has more space, and maybe you can get through that deadpan hard stuff on the top of your soil or your clay, fluff it up a bit so you can get to a sand layer that's underneath it. And start draining back into your aquifer or drain that way. Um, other than that, guys, doing planting above ground in the bucket systems uh, would probably be best, right? For areas where best. you experience a lot of rain, where you know that El Nino is a concern this year, and it hasn't been a concern in the what poor, fat past uh, four or five years. Yeah, no, it's been, it's been um, pretty easy for us. So yeah, so they're expecting like you know, record highs, you know, here in Texas, it's going to be like, the. it's already going to be estimated to be hotter than it was last year. And it's going to be about, we're going to, it's going to be a record high, well, like at least to be like fifth or sixth place. 105, I think, by, was it tomorrow? Yeah, or? that's crazy. Yeah. I, I was telling my girlfriend, I was like, man, we haven't even peaked in Texas and it's, we're already feeling it pretty bad here. So it's, it's going to get pretty gnarly here one pretty the, soon. One of the good things about the, the hydroponics, is not only are you using less water, but your plants don't wilt. Yeah. During the during the, the middle of the day. Really extreme hot. Uh, they're constantly getting a hundred percent of the water they need. They will drink more. They will drink more. And you have to check on your reservoir. 
unless you put a float valve in there and just hook it up to a garden hose or something like that, a water source. And so it's constantly filling itself. But I like to. That, I, I didn't feel like that was necessary I I mean, for, our, for a home garden anyway, you know. Um, I didn't feel like that was necessary. It was just a matter of me going out every couple of days to fill out, you know, fill up the tote. And I liked but, being able to fill it up from from scratch that way. Yeah. As well. Kind of so, clean out. Yeah. So that we could take it if we needed to and spray it out. Um, get any dead critters that might have fallen in there, even though we had a nice lid on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also we could actually track how much nutrition we were giving them. Instead of constantly diluting your nutrition by having a float valve on it. Uh, we could then go, all right, we're starting over from zero, you know, and adding your, your nutrition to it. One thing I forgot to mention when we're talking about the setup of this is every one of those buckets, if you go through the O on the Home Depot, has a gallon and a half of water inside that bucket. You need to add that water, that dead space of water, to your total system volume. So if you have 12 buckets, right? You need to add those those 18 gallons to your 50-gallon reservoir. to go. Now you have to do the math to figure out dosing for 68 gallons to bring it up to the right nutritional profile. If not, you'll if you only do it for your 50-gallon reservoir or 20-gallon or however many gallons you got, you're always going to be under-adding under nutrition. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. Does that explain that? Yeah, you explained it well. Okay. Because I was like, man, what am I forgetting about that? And I was like, oh, yeah, the, the dead space, the water. Uh, it's not dead space. It's constantly getting you know, turned over like all the time, probably you know, three or four dozen times a day, that water is getting replaced. And the movement of the water is what's really keeping down your mosquitoes, your bugs, your problems like that. Yeah. And, guys, just, you know, I, I'm like a bugophobic, flyophobic. So if it's something that I feel is going to create, you know, havoc and – create more mosquitoes and larvae and all that crap. I'm not for it. So this was actually a very clean, very controlled setup. So I really enjoyed it and it didn't bother me at all. And we'll keep you guys in, uh, in the loop. I think uh, we're going to do one. That's going to be the, uh, the aquaculture kind of one where we'll grow shrimp or, or fish or something in one system. And we'll do one where we use the master blend and side by side them. And see which one. And we'll compare it. Yeah. yeah. We'll compare it and we'll share the results with you guys. Oh, we'll do, yeah. We'll do know, a, We'll give you a running start Follow us on social media. And, and you'll be able to see it all the time. See mm-hmm. everything we're doing. Yep. Uh, we're going to really start posting a lot of social media as from here on out as, you know, you'll see us at the, the building pro- process on our house. Um, you'll get to see, you know, when we start breaking ground to clear areas for picking areas for a garden yeah i want a a huge enclosed garden we already have the blueprints we already have the setup that we want um eric here also uh he you know my my husband is a jack of all trades and i love it i can't well um yeah he can't weld and he can't dance he he marches he does not dance it is terrible and i'm hispanic i've you know, I love dancing, and I've tried. I'm pretty to sure him. my idea of dancing is a good Geneva convention. Yeah, it's definitely marching. It's not dancing, so yeah, <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of hilarious. I'm like, out of all the things you could do, you can't dance, so it's wild. Um, but he can also construct things and like build things for me, and um, I want an enclosed garden because one of the issues that I had was 
pests, you know, uh, rodents, uh, you know, bunnies, uh, uh, especially those little cute cottontails, cheese, oh, as they would wreak havoc in my garden. And they would chew the water lines. And they would chew the water lines. And it was so deflating because you did all that hard work for these <laughs> pests to come and eat it and, and chew them up. And it was just, it would get on my last night. I remember, and I remember one time. Grackles were also we, an issue. We, 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 before we had a cool planting machine, we were doing everything by hand at the last farm. And we did this like 150 foot row of pepper plants. Like, and if you guys have ever like, plant, and then we're doing like three planted, plants across the top of the row because the yeah, rows were like what it eight is, foot wide. Yeah, it is not easy. So it's three plants across the top of the row, very by, difficult. Uh, like you know, 150 feet long. We did several thousand pepper plants. Hot sun. Hot sun crawling Good, around, getting sweating, spikes, getting dirty, getting you know, dirty sunburn, cursing each other, being like. Loving Why each do you other. even love me? You know, <laughs> it's like, and then we get done and we proudly look up and we're like, the sun's about to set. Fist like, pump. We fist did pump. this. We did it. Then we just limp back to the Kubota, get it, and then go home. And then come out the next morning and half the row was gone. Half of it. Not half even of a the joke. Row, not even a joke. Like, a, like 1,500, 1,600. Uh, pepper plants, and these weren't little baby pepper plants. They were, you know, like like foot tall. Very sad day. Gone in one evening. I like never they just started at the front and just mowed down the thing. We just looked. We like, I never <laughs> thought I'd despise <laughs> cottontail as much as I did. I hated those little I think cute that started furry the bastards. For the it really right? did. I mean, I hated having to do it, but I needed to preserve my yeah, plants. Right. You were smiling the entire time. <laughs> I used them in the garden bed. So yeah, we used them as fertilizer. Yeah, yeah. we definitely did. Um, but yeah, those are always uh, you have to find a way to control that within your garden. And our it wasn't ideas, like one or two. Rounds. Yeah, no, it was. Oh, we'd go crazy. out there, shine the spotlight. I mean, this was a huge farm, guys. A huge ranch, like what ninety six miles. It so was huge. huge. We shine the spotlight, and there was just like eyes as far as the eye could see of rabbits. And Not just, like, cool. Just ears, like. It was a plague of rabbits. Look at me. I'm getting PTSD. Yeah, right. And we we talked to the fish and game guys. We're like, what's going on? They're like, well, this is probably the worst year we've seen for rabbits in about 50 years. And we're like, oh, yeah, screw you Great, guys. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're trying to farm. <laughs> so our solution to that is uh, enclosed. Hot, uh, fast. Uh, oh, enclosed oh, yeah. Enclosed garden. <laughs> <laughs> our enclosed <laughs> garden. So uh, we'll definitely share some pictures and some blueprints and, um, and some step-by-step you know, build the materials and all that. With well, you guys. we're not going to enclose uh, the stuff that needs to go in the ground. ground. Right. That's um, going to, I mean. That'll be things like um, our major squashes, our pumpkins, yeah. our, our corn, Squash, stuff like pumpkin, that. corn. That, that'll go in the ground ground. And we'll just have to what else do we grow in the rows back there? Um, all types of variations uh, of squash, melons, right? Tons uh, and tons of melons. Yeah. Melons. Oh, God, I love melons. Uh, yeah. Cantaloupe, watermelon. All sorts of melons. I, I I'm kind of a, I'm kind of like, uh, I love uh, collecting melons from around the world. And uh, Baker's Creek. Kajari. Yeah, Baker's Creek. Kajari melons. Baker's Creek. We love you. Baker's, uh, Baker's Creek sponsor us. Sponsor what? us. Uh, anyway, uh, they, uh, they, I love them. Uh, and I'm kind of like, I'm the guy who's like, uh, ooh, melons talk dirty to me. You know, and I'm like, ooh, this one's different. Oh, that one's different. And so I buy like a package of everything. And just start them. And then what's good is good. And we save it for the next year. Save seeds for the next year. If it sucks, well, we feed it to the critters. 
So, I mean, there's your, never your chickens, any ways. Yeah, yeah. Your chickens and your goats and your cattle, nobody's going to say no to a melon, even if it's not as sweet as you like it is. They're going to be happy as heck to have it. Your dogs even eat cantaloupes. Mm-hmm. That's what literally cantaloupe means is dog melon. The Romans came up with cantaloupes to feed their dogs on their marches. That's why you know that's where cantaloupe came from. Yeah, you did tell me that. You told me that after our dog Mo went through the cantaloupe, and it I was just, like, "What is she doing?" It ain't okay. Yeah, little seventeen pound rat terrier ate the cantaloupe the size she was, and then probably got like diabetic shock and passed out. <laughs> that was just she was well hydrated. I just wasn't expecting it. So yeah, no, to but... hear that story, that was pretty interesting. Yep, science. So let's talk about uh, plants of the day. Tree of the day first. Ah, tree of the day. Tree of the day. I Ooh. like this guy, right? This is the Dapple Dandy Pluot. Um, it's pretty cool. Zones five through nine. Boom. It is fertile to itself. Looks so, like a peach. Yeah, but it's not. It's a plum and an apricot. Kind of, nice. Like mixed together. So uh, so it, you can get two of them and they're happy to go. They're happy to make fruit. You can get them with another different type of plum, and they make fruit. So it says it's a heavy producer of colorful, interesting fruits. The Dapple Dandy Pluot tree is a new and distinct variety of interspecific plums. This hybrid fruit are referred to as dinosaur eggs due to the pale green and yellow coloring with red molting. The flesh is a creamy pink color with a spicy plum apricot flavor and a nice acid sugar balance. The large clingstone fruit. You know what clingstone means? No. What do you think it means? Cling. Stones that cling together? Yeah, well, it's not holding on to rocks. So stone fruits are called stone fruits because they have that big old seed, right? Mm-hmm. So if it's a free stone, that means when you cut it apart or tear it apart, the seed just drops out on the ground. If it's a clingstone, it's the one where you have to cut the seed out because it holds on to the seed. Like a get all fiber next to them. Mm-hmm. But anyway. That's just side conversation. The large cling stone fruit wrappings in July, the perfect time for a juicy summer snack. Dapple dandy pull-ups are wonderful when eaten fresh, but are versatile enough to make home, make into jams, pies, and additional to salad. The pull-ups have great storage uh, qualities as well. Uh, it says the vigorous upright tree uh, needs 400 to 500 chill hours. You can basically ignore chill hours. Uh, you have me jams and pies. Well, I want to make the uh, wine out of it. Ooh, now you a have plummy, me a wine. A apricot what? wine. Yeah, what? Yeah. It says it's a super heavy producer, works out really well, which I, I found with things that are super heavy producers is that I do not want them to produce fruit their first year. And so I will go when they put their first year that they're in the ground, that, that next spring, right? So you plant your stuff in the fall. The next spring, it's going to try to put out flowers. I go and rub all the flowers off. I want to put 100% of its focus into getting bigger and getting a bigger root system. Now, the second year, I don't care what it does. But that first year, uh, I don't want them to make any fruit because I want them to be, they've just, they're coming out of transplant shock. You basically cut off half their legs. You know, you want them to kind of spend their time getting bigger and better and happier. So that was our uh, tree of the day. Our uh, our fruit, well, our plant of the day is the Heritage Red Raspberry Plant. Now, this is the old-timey original raspberry that you would probably see around 
Um, man, pretty much everywhere. And I don't know how they are out here in this part of the West. But, like, you know, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, the along the Oregon Trail area, this is the raspberry that came with them, right? It's great for zones four through eight. You can kind of ignore that. It'll do whatever it wants. Super adaptable. Shout out to Stark Bros. Stark Bros. Sponsor us, Stark Bros. Sponsor us. We buy so much stuff from you. It's ridiculous. So uh, these are, we had one growing up. And, well, what started off that the neighbor had one. And we had a chain link fence between the two of us. And so it would grow up, but it would grow like canes through the chain link fence. And we'd, we'd harvest it. The guy got tired of dealing with it because these guys will constantly spread. They'll become bigger and bigger Were and bigger. Were they really sweet? Yes. My problem with raspberries is that they're pretty tart as far as, like, the ones that we've tried yeah. growing out here. These are pretty sweet. Okay. Uh, they were uh, – it would keep spreading and spreading and spreading. So we got tired of it and mowed it down a bunch of times. Well, by that time, they already kind of spread on our side. And then my, uh, my mom named it Esmeralda, and we had Esmeralda, the – raspberry plant my whole childhood oh nice like my whole childhood like uh we ate so many raspberries um we never did it my 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 i can't remember my mom ever doing anything with them because i don't think we ever got they made it inside hmm. like we just got outside and just munch 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 I ate so many raspberry plants. I probably could still find some raspberry seeds in me somewhere. <laughs> ah, so this is a huge, ever-bearing red raspberry. It is a favorite for its flavor, firmness, and fruit size. This variety produces abundant crops of large, sweet, dark red raspberries. are perfect for eating fresh, canning, freezing, and making jams jellies. This self-supporting, upright canes are hardy enough to grow in poor soil but require a well-draining site. The bush has two harvest seasons, with a moderate July Yield in July and a heavy yield in September until frost, making them everbearing. Floricane berries ripen in July and primocane berries ripen in September through frost. Red Heritage is cold hardy and self pollinating. It's a licensed variety from Cornell University. Yeah, whatever. It's the original. Um, do you know what floricane and primocane mean? Uh-uh. Okay. So, floricane means that year's growth, that, that first year's growth. Is going to come up and flower on that year's first growth, hmm. so that the, the stuff that just grows like that that year, primocane is stuff that's already that's one year old. Okay? So if it's one year old growth and it makes they have usually a lot of blackberries, a lot of stuff is primocane because it gets um, the the berries get bigger because they're growing from already established things. Right, hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, a little side note is do not plant red, gold, or purple raspberries within uh, 750 to 100 feet of blackberries. Black, uh, or black raspberries. Sorry. Black raspberries may be more susceptible to viral diseases carried by aphids and, um, and from nearby raspberry plants. So, black raspberries are kind of, they're, they're delicate. I'm not a huge, I, I've tried them, but it's kind of like, why would I want a black raspberry? It looks like a blackberry, but tastes like half the size of a black, like a blackberry, but tastes like raspberry. So I've never enjoyed black raspberries, but this is saying that um, black raspberries' immune system sucks, and then these will kill. 
So after planting, be sure to prune the bare root canes back to about two inches above the ground. Um, don't skip this step, blah, blah, blah. And then they just grow. Um, I have never had a problem growing raspberries. I've had a problem keeping raspberries in one spot. But actually, growing raspberries has never been a problem. If you're going to want to keep your raspberries in a specific place, I suggest you use an edging type stuff material. You dig down and you put at least a four or maybe even a six inch deep edging all the way around the area you want to keep your raspberries. Raspberries, just like we have the blackberries right now out front in buckets, they do great in buckets. We uh, we collected a bunch of blackberry plants for the new farm over the last year and a half mm-hmm. um, and just have them growing out front in, in uh, buckets ready to go back in the ground. And so we can divide them up and then put them into the ground. We'll just let them go crazy and just populate the buckets as much as they want. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, blackberries and raspberries. Remember the old farm where the ra- black blackberries would come up in the middle of the <laughs> oh, yeah. the, the walkways? Yeah. And that was even through that, like, that two-inch edging. you got to have a four- or six-inch edging. But, uh, what was it, the blackberries or the raspberries yeah, those are that, were, that were prickly? Those Now, both of them can be prickly. Uh, this heritage one is going to be prickly. Um, but you have, like, thornless blackberries are a thing and thornless raspberries are. Um, so like, uh, if you're going to get like 10 out of 10, probably recommend if you have small children that you want picking off the plants, definitely get thornless. Like Arapaho is a really common, uh, thornless blackberry. That's real big, produces the big thumb size blackberries. They're real great. There's yeah, just get whatever's going to suit you. If you have uh, a bunch of deer, uh, problems that thornless, the thorned ones, they're going to help kind of fend them off a bit. Um, if you don't, because you're putting up fences, electric fences and whatnot, then you, your thornless are going to be just fine. I think that just about does it. What else you got for today? We've covered your news. We've covered your everything else. Yep. Right? Well, guys, thank you for listening. It's been a lot of fun. We're super excited about starting this new journey uh, with the dragging you all with us. It's going to be a lot of fun. Closing day was today. Super pumped. Been pumped all day, riding around cloud nine. Um, so many emotions. It was like a roller coaster, but we finally made it. Yeah. And we're very happy. And now I'm just exhausted. It was just a lot of emotion. Yeah. Definitely going to relax here for the yeah. rest of the evening. Um, but uh, you can go ahead and uh, find us on social media. It's going to be This Feral Life. Uh, you'll see our little logo on there, the little coyote guy. You can go ahead and send us an email if you'd like to talk about the show. Come on the show as a special guest. Or you just have any questions, comments, concerns, you can go to thisferallifepodcast at gmail.com. We'd appreciate it if you check out the Etsy. We're always adding stuff to the Etsy, adding new different things. Uh, we'll add a whole bunch of cool stuff as time goes on. Uh, from farm, more farm-related and more like direct apparel-related and some insider jokes. <laughs> That, that'll be uh, thisferallife.etsy.com. And uh, you have the Instagram, right? And that is This Feral Life? Instagram is This Feral Life, and so is the pod. Um, sorry, so is TikTok. TikTok. Oh, uh, yeah, we have a TikTok. Yeah, I don't know anything see, about the top ticker. <laughs> yeah, 
So you'll see more videos on TikTok as we um, start our actual farm and we're able to like do things, grow things, make products out of them. Uh, we'll be able to show you step by step on, you know, how to do various things. So super excited. About oh, that. we have the YouTube too. And we have a YouTube channel. Now. Yeah, that's for our life uh, yeah. on the YouTube. And all it is is a bunch of uh, podcasts. Yeah. The podcasts are available on YouTube if you just want to listen to them on that way. Um, there will be eventually videos on there. I don't like to be on screen. Uh, you don't like to be on screen. No. Atanius doesn't care. Uh, Moments, the dog doesn't care. But uh, it'll mostly be just us talking. Or wearing a gro GoPro yeah. and like showing you how to do things. So. Oh, yeah. We could do that. Totally. Yeah, totally. That. But uh, all right, guys. Thank you for listening. And we appreciate you. Appreciate all of our listeners out there. Oh, we Canada has to been do picking the, up a bunch. Say something nice. Oh, say something nice. We always do the say something ah. nice. All right. Uh, I'll, I'll start this time. You'll start. Because my usually sucks. If yours is usually way better. Um, guys, sometimes it just helps to to let things that are out of your uh, control go and just relax. You can't control everything. And this this entire home buying process is, has really, really ground that into us. <laughs> is that we couldn't control everything that was going on despite our best efforts. And it just came to the point where we were like, screw it. It's either going to happen or not. Yeah, right. and we started even actually looking on looking at other properties. You can't control anything; you can only control your reaction to things. Yeah, and uh, it just boom, like you within know? like it was like one email. They were just like, "Yeah, surprise, you're closing tomorrow." Yeah, it was literally a phone call that I was not expecting or anticipating. Like, or like seven hey, PM are you available? The night and, you yeah. know, tomorrow to close, and it was just caught me off guard and really happy. I just didn't. I was so I was in a state of shock. I didn't even know how to, you know. It took me a while to process it, I think, but yeah. So not everything is in your hands, but everything generally works out in your favor if you have faith. Yeah. And it doesn't mean faith in a higher being. You can be. It just means faith in the good that is going to happen. Mm -hmm. Like manifest that stuff. You know? Yeah. And I guess mine would be on that vein, too, is that, you know, if, if it's meant for you, it's going to happen. It's it, Things are going to work out like butter. You know, if you're trying to fit a this a, was shitty butter. Yeah, <laughs> uh, if you're trying Lumpy to fit, yak butter. Uh, you know, if you're if you're just trying to force something to happen and and force something or force somebody to see your value or, or just force things in general, like it's just not meant for you. Just let it go, let it go, and and you'll see what doors open up for you and and you know who really appreciates you and values you and and wants to take care of you and and really help you evolve. So. Um, so I think you apply that to your personal relationships with people. Yeah. As well. Like, don't try to force things if they're not going to happen with, you know, like some new friend or something like that. Then let it go. Yeah. So just be, just be sweet. Just be sweet. Enjoy the ride, and don't force things. Let them happen the way they should. Because I, I always, I'm a big believer, and our path is already written. You know, yes, you can control it and kind of. You know, it, it can waver depending on what you do, but um, you know, it's already written. There is no way. You hippie believe in that because up until you kidnapped me, you were just a city girl. And you were like, city girl, city girl. Oh, I yeah. I never, you know, if you would have asked me what Tiniest is, what, she's four. If you would have asked me five years ago, if you would have told six, me. It was like six five, or seven years ago. Oh, yeah, ago. six years ago. If you would have told me six years ago that I was going to be 
you know, uh, on a podcast that I was going to have a podcast that I was going to be all about self-sustaining, that I was going to be starting a farm, that I was going to be buying a farm, that my husband was going to be a farmer. I would have laughed at you. I literally legit would have laughed at you. I thought that, you know, um, the city life and, and the, you know, uh, having the, the best of the best was what, where it was at and, and what, you know, being all bougie and all that, you know, that, that, made you who you are but it's not it really isn't because at the end of the day like what do you have to show on that note don't be afraid to date outside your your comfort zone yeah exactly i would have never met my husband had i not taken a chance um in dating outside i just got so burned out with dating the same old same old and same old sob story and so i took a chance and i took a chance on my husband and it's the best thing that i could have ever done you know we have our daughter we have a beautiful life together you know we're thriving Um, And the best is yet to come. Like, this is only the beginning. So I'm really excited to see what's going to unravel here. It's going to be a lot of fun, guys. We very much appreciate you guys. Love our listeners. Oh, love you guys. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, who's listening? uh, Canada has been picking up quite a bit. Sweet. Yeah, picking up a bunch out of Canada. Nice. Okay. You can Stanis. Y'all on fire, and we're sorry. Pray for you. I will will drink this beer right here for all of our fiery Canucistanis. Take care. Be safe, guys. All right. Love you guys. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.